0: Thank you, honey, for playing and singing and just being so pretty. (laughs) The Lord is good. I think that probably in, um, well, before I start talking, I'll I'll skip everything and we won't get to anything, so I better just... uh, Go ahead and and read this one passage of scripture, and then we'll get started tonight. Acts chapter two and verse forty six. After what a service had had occurred, and people were filled as at least three thousand one hundred and twenty that we know of, according to scripture. But it makes a statement, kind of summing some things up, and it says, "And they, all the ones who had." now come into this truth and, and obeyed this word and were uh, born again according to the scripture, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and the original uh, 11 plus the, uh, the new disciples and that 120 that was there. So you, you, you know, in this crowd of church people that's there, that 3,120, there's 11 that walked with Jesus. That's in there, and there's also ladies and those different ladies, of his mother and different ones that followed along with Jesus his his time here on earth. But it says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. There was a, a unity there, and there was a, a a way that they lived and and things that they did that. Uh, I feel like even the church in this age does not need to get off this pattern that, uh, and decide, well, you know, we know this part of Scripture says this, but we're going to be our own thing in this new century. You know, this is a new age. And, uh, and I understand, you know, maybe we're not walking around in sandals from house to house, but the doctrine and the principles and the truth that was preached still got to be there. The way it's communicated, and uh, you know the different things that we can do now to to outreach and and work. uh, It's the you know it's awesome. Technology is awesome, but let me tell you, uh, there's some things that just don't change. There's landmarks and truths that cannot be moved, and there are uh, patterns that worked there that work here. We can soup them up a little bit. You don't have to walk anymore. You can drive. You know, you it's not, uh, we put a little, a little technology in there and we can get things done a little quicker, but we don't need to sacrifice foundation for uh, a fleeting fancy that's in this world today that just wants to have things like they want it. But uh, our lesson is, uh, the series that we're in is, is called Practice Makes Perfect. There are some things that we ought to be putting into practice, yeah. um, you know. And when I say that, I don't mean just mean, "Hey, let's practice it," because uh, we don't know what we're doing. After we know what we're doing, we should be practicing what we know, yeah. just like any uh, doctor or uh, the, or student that goes to school and will uh, go through all these classes and courses and internships and all these things, and eventually they are now a doctor and they are practicing medicine they are putting into action what they know but you know they they didn't just learn everything hands-on a lot of stuff was in the classroom and it was among their peers and they were trained together and that's what you see here happening with the church is that the church realized we're in this together and we've been talking about this a lot here lately where we've been praying and taking each other by the hand, and we're in this together and uh Practice makes perfect. This, uh, The thought in here is that we are in a community, really. Our church, even inside these four walls, it's like a a small community. But we need to have a community of devotion, where we are devoted to doing the things that we know the Scripture wants us to do, instructs us to do the things that God wants us to do, and God called us to be righteous. And so we must practice spiritual disciplines together. You can't just say, uh, have a church where it says it's all about one person because it's not. You should never have a church that is built on one person's reputation. Uh, A church is a body of believers that are workers together with Christ. And the body uh, is like a body and it works together. And so it grows. And so now that I've kind of laid some foundation, let's just pray for the lesson so I don't get ahead of myself. And and I can put this together like I feel like the Lord wants us to hear it tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you for calling us to be a church in this city, in this town, Lord. And help us, God, to be the children of God that you've called us to be. Lord, we want to be disciples. We want to follow you in everything, Lord, and, and live by your word So we ask you tonight, Lord, let us receive instruction and gain knowledge and understanding in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise again for his word. And we will get get moving here. So we see that uh, it's easy sometimes to just, uh, even in this scripture, to get stuck on Acts 2.38. Because that is our banner scripture A lot of times because it is the plan of salvation. I believe that as good as I'm standing here. I believe that people must repent and be baptized in his name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that is the new birth that Jesus spoke of in in John chapter 3 without a doubt. I believe that. But I also know that I can't just take that and then just have that one scripture applied to my life and not do anything else that God intended me to do. And no church can be like that. A church uh, should strive to be the best that it can be. And when we are disciples of Christ, uh, then we are being the best that we can be. When you are a disciple of Jesus, that means you are doing the things that a disciple does uh, Even with your slip-ups and mistakes and falling, sometimes you're still being the best version of you you can be if you are a disciple of Jesus. Peter was a disciple, and he made many mistakes and had little hiccups and bumps in the roads and, and things that he probably wished he could take back, but he was still the best version of Peter that he could be by following Jesus. You know, uh, when you follow some somebody sometimes, you ever been following somebody on a trip, sometimes you end up lagging behind, and sometimes you're real close. And sometimes you need to, you feel like I need to pull off, but they're going to keep going. I'll catch up to you. That's, you. know, It happens like that sometimes walking with the Lord. Sometimes we feel like, man, I'm so far behind. But then we feel real close, and then some days we feel like, I think I got off on the wrong exit. But my desire is to get back behind him so I can know where I'm going. And... Uh, if we're going to be the best church for our community, if we're going to be the best that we can be outside these four walls, we must be our best inside these four walls. If we're going to be the best out there, we got to be the best in here. Wouldn't it be sad for someone to come in and say, wow, what a church, man, their music was really going and and it was awesome and Man, the, the message was really engaging. It was often awesome and just really uh, stirred me, but nobody spoke to me. Nobody shook my hand. Nobody asked who I was, or showed any interest in me or my kids. Or you know, They come in looking for a connection, looking for a community, looking to be a part of something, and they see all this great stuff around, but nobody is even trying to approach them. Make them feel like, hey, come in, we, we want to know you. We, we love you already or do it you know, the way that we do. What if you just ignore them and expect them, hey, if you want it, then come in here and get it. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. We're supposed to welcome people, love people, reach for people. Jesus goes around knocking on doors. I think it's all right when they come in and knock on the door. You do that by shaking their hand, by hugging their neck, by asking them, hey, how are you? How did you get here? Who do you know? Uh, is there anything I could pray with you about? Is there anything we could tell you about the church? Or you know, it, That's how you get a hold of people. And uh, we're never going to be the best out there until we learn how to be the best in here. If we're no good in here, we'll be no good out there. That's what I'm trying to say. It starts in here. You know, I know that seeds can get planted into people's spiritual walk in many different places, but it will be in a house of God. It will be in a church where there's a church family. It will be among other saints where you learn to grow and mature. Uh, that you're going to learn things that you that you don't won't learn if you stay by yourself. This is not about being just being an individual. It starts right here. We are in this together. And in the house of God is where practice makes perfect. You know, uh, all, almost everything, uh, if somebody is good at something, they didn't just jump right into that and they were good at it. There was somewhere that they were nurtured, somewhere where they were matured, somewhere where they were taught before they were actually put in the game, so to speak. I mean... You know, for anybody that plays uh, sports, or let's let's just pick football for instance, if you found a guy, you're a coach of a team, and you find a guy, and he's about 6'3", you know, he's about 280, bench presses about 500 pounds, runs a 3'8", 40, you know, he's got speed, strength, all this stuff. Never even heard of football. But you see him, you're like, man, he's got all this raw, natural talent and ability. And you say, hey, show up. Hey, I want you to come out of the stadium Friday. I, want, uh, I got something for you. And he shows up and you put him in a uniform and they go out there and line up on the line. He don't know what to do. He don't know about being offsides. He don't know about the snap count. He don't know about audibles. He don't know about face masking or hitting or blocking or which way to go. He don't know who the quarterback is. He's just, you, you took somebody that had all this ability, all this talent, and just stuck him there and expected him because his size, his speed, that he could just do it, and he can't. You know where he learns to be an awesome athlete? He learns that at school, on the practice field. He learns it watching films, and he learns it with his coaches and his teammates. And, and all these other places happen before he pulls up on the line starting on Friday night. And he learns how to be what he is somewhere else. And uh, you know, even in class, sitting with his classmates and his teammates, uh, they watch each other. I mean, if you've ever been part of a team like that, it, don't just, it carries over from the field. They, they, they sit at the same tables at lunch and they hang out together and they work out together and, and they pull for each other and they work with each other. And if they see uh, one of their, especially the captain, if he sees one of his players kind of getting off, he'll go to him and say, hey, you got to tighten up. You can't act like this or you'll be off the team. And it, they work like that everywhere else but on the playing field. They learn so many things outside of the playing field before they get to the playing field so they can be that star athlete, so they can make the big play, so they can do. And that is the same way that we are after we come to God. We come in and we, we get uh, this new birth experience, and now we're in a, in a room full of people that believe like that. It can't be a bunch of individuals just sitting here minding their own business and then expect to go out there. And win the world. Or win anybody. In here is where we learn how to forgive. Where we learn how to love. Where we learn how to stand beside people. This is where you learn. This is how you learn to get over things. To help people. To pick them up. This is where you learn in here. And it was always like that. This body. Uh, Let me read. just Just give us an idea how Paul wrote about this body in Romans 12. If I can find it. Uh, starting at the fourth verse. He said, For as we have many members in one body, and all members don't have the same office. That means there's things going on inside the body. Now I'm not talking about, the, I'm, of course, the whole body, congregations all around the world, but even in our, I'm, I'm focusing on our local body, our local assembly. In this uh, Local assembly, we have many members in one body and all members don't have the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. There is a connection. You don't get to decide, well, I don't want to have a connection. I just want to be in church. Because if if you get the Holy Ghost, you're baptized into the body by the Spirit. Uh, So unless you're refusing the Spirit and quenching the Spirit and saying, I don't want nothing to do with this, you are connected. You are grafted into the vine. You become part of something. Jesus said, abide in me. And so it's always about connection, things going on on the inside. And there's got to be the right things going on in here if we're going to have the right things going on out there. Because if the right things are not happening here, it won't last very long. When things start going bad on the inside, things start dying. You have heart trouble, you're on the way out. You start having lung trouble or pancreas trouble or kidney trouble. Hey, guess what? Something's bad. If you don't get it taken care of, you're on the way out. In in trees and plants and things happen on the inside, they they die. It manifests. It'll die. It's like that. Things have got to be right on the inside so it'll be right on the outside. And so Paul's saying, now having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy. According to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorts on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. abhor that which is evil, cleave that which is good. He's telling the church now, this is the church at Rome, this is how to act inside yourself. This is where we learn how to be like Jesus. I know that we learn things on the outside. I'm not saying we don't get some experience outside these four walls, but uh, there's nothing that will shatter a new convert quicker than to just kick them out into the missionary field and say, now go win win some souls, and they don't know what to do. And they get discouraged because nobody in here is helping them with it, and they don't know how to handle it outside. But when you disciple people and mentor people and work with people and, and when you love in these four walls and when you forgive in these four walls and when you unify in these four walls and you help one another in these four walls, you learn how to do it out there. When you learn how to, because you realize soon that, hey, even my brothers and sisters have things going on and things that are are off sometimes and they struggle with things, and even I struggle with things. is it good to have somebody that's of like faith that will pick you up and dust you off and help teach you this is the way that we ought to be acting out there? But I'm learning it in here. And if our church, if Restoration Apostolic is going to be the best church it can be, we've got to get it right in here yeah, right. before we try to worry about getting it right out there. Right. And so we've got to make sure that we are following the word in here, that we are preaching the word and worshiping God and, and preaching the truth and holding on to the truth and that all of us as members are in this together. Right. He said, be kind, affection one to another with brotherly love. You know, he's talking about, he's talking about the church people. It said, uh, "In honor, preferring one another; not slothful in business. Take care of business in the church. Fervent in spirit, rejoicing in the or serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Yeah, tribulation in the church. Yeah, tribulation in the church." Continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide all things honest in the sight of men. And if it be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Do you know where saints of God learn that? They learn that inside the four walls of their church. That's where we learn it. We learn it right here in these four walls, serving God together. Just like players on a team learn how to be a team and learn how to win the game, it's because they practice together, they run drills together, they blood, sweat, and tears together. They, they pick each other up when they make mistakes. When, they, when one guy gets off size and it costs them a touchdown, they, instead of kicking him off the team, they pick him up and they tell, hey, you'll get it. Come on, you're better than that. You know what you're doing. Come on, let's play ball. They, 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 they pick them back up. They learn all these things. They learn how to do that in practice. And so we need to practice so we can make it perfect. We need to practice loving one another. We need to practice praying for one another. Practice standing beside one another. Picking one another up. We need to, to be there for each other. Yes. And Jesus said, this is how it is. I intended it to start. Because nothing works without love. And Jesus said, you want to know how people know you're my disciples? When they see you loving one another. That's John 13 and 35. He said, that's how this world will know. That means them outside of you are going to know that you are my disciples when they see you love one another. How will the world out there know we're anything if they can't see us right here loving each other? The church has got to love each other. That doesn't mean we're going to uh, hold hands and go on long walks on the beach together. Except me and my wife. It doesn't mean we're going to cuddle up and drink hot chocolate together. But we're going to be in here and we're going to love one another. And we're going to pray for one another. And lift one another up and be there for one another and encourage one another. And rejoice for the good things that happen and cry with you when the bad things happen. And be there to see you through. So that when we get outside at our job or at our school and we see somebody struggling and going, now we know how to talk to somebody. We know how to pray with somebody. We know how to love somebody because we've already got it right in here. It's like that. It starts in here. And any church, I don't care who they are. Now, you can build an organization and you can build a gathering. But if you're going to be the church, you're going to have everything right in here before it gets right out there. It's going to have to be right inside before it gets right outside. And we are a community that is devoted to living for God. And seeing change in people's lives. Jesus said in 1 John 4 and 20 and 21 that, you know, he began to tell me, he said, You know, you talk about you love God, but you hate your brother. He said, How can you love God that you've never seen? Uh, or how can you love, well, I just better read it before I quote it wrong. If a man say, I love God, hates his brother, he's a liar. Well, he that loves not his brother who he has seen, how can he love God who he's not seen? And how can you show the love of God out there if you can't show the love of God in here? It's the same principle. If you can't uh, be happy for people inside your congregation, how can you be happy outside for somebody outside these four walls? And how can you, uh, if you can't uh, travail with somebody in the altar or pray with them in the altar or encourage them in the altar to uh, one of your brothers or sisters, how can you expect to effectively do that outside these four walls? When you can't even take care of your brother that you have seen. It starts in these four walls. We need to uh, practice it and make it perfect. We need practice makes perfect. There are no uh, lone individuals, no renegade saints that can just do it all on their own. And it was never intended for us to be that way. That's the way this world, uh, the, especially in Western culture, look out for number one. Well, let me tell you if you're looking out for number 1, you better be looking out for him because he's supposed to be number 1. But I'm going to do me. You know, it's that that uh it, it, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm going to get mine. You know, hey, I believe in uh taking care of yourself. I believe in examining yourself. I believe in working out your salvation with fear and trembling. But let me tell you something. Uh they ain't a single one of these body parts I better wake up in the morning and find it missing. Right. I don't want to hear something rambling around in the kitchen and my hands in there making coffee without me. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't want to... You know, it don't work like that. Body. Yeah. You're part of the body. Yeah. The body's in here. We're trying to get other members into the body. Yeah. But if we can't get the body, if the body in here is not healthy, it won't be able to do anything out there. We are not, uh, you know, just you heard those saying no man is an island unto himself. You, 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 it's just not about just you. Right. I know that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat and I'm going to give account for what I have done. But he's going to want to know what I have done as being part of the body. Yeah. Not why I was secret agent, apostolic man, doing my own thing behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, I've been baptizing people y'all don't even know about. Why would you not want people to know? Why would you want people to not know what you're doing? Why would you want to hide what God gave you? Why would you want to be by yourself anyway? I don't want to be by myself. I want to be part of the body. I want to be connected. Jesus loves his church. He loves his bride. I want to be invested in what he loves. I know he loves the whole world, but let me tell you, he's getting a bride together. He's getting a church together that's called by his name. He gave his life so he could have this church. I want to be invested. I want to be part of. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to know that I want to be a part of the church. This is where you learn how to be the church out there. This is like, you know, maybe that's why they call it Sunday school. Because you learn learning. You know, it's discipleship class. It's always class and school. You know why? Because maybe God said, I'm going to have to do something so they understand. You're supposed to be learning. You know, theoretically, school is supposed to prepare you for the real world. I mean, people when you were getting ready to graduate high school, they said, "Well, that's the real world now. Anybody tell you that? getting them cards? They had a little money, you get ready for the real world now. Well, how, how was I supposed to get ready for the real world? They said in school, "That's a joke today. That's laughable today. When I was in high school, they had auto mechanic shop, they had home economics. They had construction. I mean, kids in high school could lay brick, build an engine, run electricity, sew, cook, all kinds of things. When they left, they knew how to do a few things. They were equipped to live in the world. You know how many guys I know that I graduated with that went on to be, you know, mechanics or either start their own construction business because they learned how to do construction in school? And made a living, raised families and had a job. Electricians, because they taught electricity in school. Yeah, we had all that stuff. School was actually prepared them. Well, today, again, I can't even get started on it because it will just be a rant. It won't be preaching or teaching. It will just be uh, ranting. But I'm, I'm glad my kids are out of school. I'll say that. Uh, But I don't want our church to ever fall into that trend where it's not preparing saints. Because if they're not prepared out there, that means we didn't do something in here. If they don't know how to love people out there, then we didn't show them how to love people in here. If they're not showing mercy out there, that's because we weren't showing mercy in here. We have got to, got to, got to get it right in here so that we can be the best out there. We will be no good out there if we are no good in here. And so it's going to be more, you know, there are some kids that went to school, went through all 12 grades, and they just got passed just because the teacher said, I don't want you back next year. There are people who play on teams that are there just because. Uh, they can put so many on the team and they let them put on a uniform and sit on the bench every week just so they'll feel good. But they don't contribute. And if they were to step out on the field, they'd get clobbered because nobody spends time with them because they're not the star player. But that's not how it is. There's not a star player in here. It's not an A team and a B team. In here, we're all on the same team. And in here, we all learn how to treat one another so we know how to treat others when we get outside these doors and we have to drop that independent uh, go it alone attitude now, that's hard sometimes as uh, for introverted people you know, it's, uh, sometimes we we'll say man I'm peopled out and I, I know what you mean but I am working on that because I can't be peopled out what if I go to pray one day and Jesus says, "Sorry, I can't. I'm peopled out." So I'm trying to be like Jesus and not get peopled out. I'm trying to uh, to always have an answer, always have a word, always show love, always be kind and tenderhearted, and always remember that people really need something. And so, but if I can't pay attention in here, I won't pay attention out there. Talk about oh, I want to win the world. When you don't even want to pray with your brother or sister. Oh, I, I want to win this city. And you don't even know the people that you go to church with. You don't even know their names. We've got to make sure we are better in putting things into practice and that we are. That's, what, you know, that's one thing about that meet and greet thing. You know, it gives us a chance at least to shake somebody's hand or hug their neck and say, hey, it's good to see you today. Make some kind of connection. But it ought to be a little more than that. When you have a chance, speak to somebody. Tell them you love them, tell them they look nice, whatever, but just make sure they know, hey, I'm praying for you, that they, they, we're here, I'm part of the body, we're part of the church, we're together. Make sure they know that, but we got to get it right in here. We've got to practice, and, that, and if we do that, we'll be like the church, because that is the way the church was. And as we search scripture for our practices, rather than common culture, you're going to find out that discipleship doesn't just happen to one, it happens to together. Discipleship happens together. There were 12 disciples walking with Jesus. And they didn't have, uh, all have separate times to meet with him. Oh, I, no, I, I, I'll be with Jesus from 8 to 10. Uh, what time you go to see him? No, we walk all walking with him together. We're all hearing him preach. We're all watching him do miracles. We're all in the boat screaming, don't you care that we're perishing? It's us. We're all together. So they experienced fear together, experienced miracles together. And then when he was gone, they knew what to do. From the the day of Pentecost on, they knew what they were supposed to be doing. And what they did was on a bigger scale mirror what they did for three and a half years walking with him. They preached, they loved, they taught, they did miracles, and they discipled. They changed lives. They brought people in, and they kept going. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. One hundred and twenty get it, three thousand get it, and they all continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They they knew that this is something we're going to do together. In uh, the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the fivefold ministry: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they are for the perfecting of the saints equipping people the saints he didn't say they for the perfecting of the people outside for the saints he said i'm addressing that doesn't mean that preachers can't help people outside these four walls but the ministry is designed to keep the church healthy to keep the church going, to keep the church with what it needs, to speak a prophetic word to it, to pray for it, to preach a word of faith. It's to keep the body healthy so that it will be complete and won't be lacking anything and so it don't get caught getting tossed around with every wind of doctrine. It's to keep the church grounded. And he said, if the saints are unstable, they can't do nothing out there because if you're, unst- or if you're double-minded, then you're unstable in all your ways. And if you're unstable in here, you'll be unstable out there. And if you don't care about doctrine in here, you won't care about it out there. And so the fivefold ministry was given and God gave. People have a problem with ministries and ministers. But God gave them for the perfecting of the saints. And so I always make sure, and we've always taught our kids. And, and and listen, you may not always agree with something that that pastor said or that that evangelist says, but but don't go around talking about him because God gave him, and and maybe he's going through something, or maybe he's actually saying something you just don't get. I don't know, but you know, it, it applies. If you can't say nothing good, then don't say nothing at all. And so. Uh, but be careful about uh, talking harshly and ugly about ministry. And I'm not saying that just because I'm the pastor of the church. I'm telling you that uh, you get yourself in a bad place. And, so, and you'll teach your kids to be in a bad place and not respect ministry. Uh, you know, this world has no reverence for ministry today. They don't care about, you know, and what happens is things happen in the news and big preachers and things like that. These mega churches get in and everybody gets lumped into one thing. They're all like that. They're all money hungry. They're all this, that, and the other. Uh, And and it's not true. But when a minister gets out of sight of what God's trying to get him to do. I heard a man say one time, you know, the pastor is the shepherd. And he's pastoring the flock, which is akin to sheep. He said, you know who makes sheep? Other the sheep. He said, the pastor is there to tend the flock and teach the flock and work with the flock. Sure, I'm going to work on discipling and reaching people too, because I, I ultimately I'm a sheep with a shepherd over me. But uh, in this congregation, I have a job to do. And that's to preach to the people and teach the people and instruct the people and or warn the people or encourage the people. Whatever God lays on my heart, I am the watchman on the wall for this church so that it can be okay in here, so that it can be okay and effective out there. We've got to practice, practice, practice till we get it right, till we get it perfect, get it perfect in here. We ought to love it so much that we want to. People that want to be the best will spend hours and hours training and working and practicing and reading and doing so they can be their absolute best. Tonight, you know, if you, if you follow baseball, there's two teams that are in the World Series. And one, of, one team will be world champions. These men have spent hours and hours and hours practicing to get on this big stage to win, not lose. Let me tell you something. We are supposed to win. We are winners. And if they can put that kind of effort and that kind of passion into something that don't mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. Oh, what about born again children of God desiring revival? So we talk about it, but, with, oh, I, I want to be the best that I can be so when revival comes, I can pray for somebody or I can speak a word to somebody. I want to I make sure that I've studied, that I've prayed, that I've fasted, that I'm investing, that I am reaching. Be ashamed for an influx of people to show up in this body be so broke down it can't help them because they'll come in here. And not find what they're looking for. Well, music was really good. Lights were cool. This was that. But nobody spoke to me. Nobody inquired about what, what I'm doing here. or Who am I? or Would I like to come back? Nobody welcomed me. Nobody said, hey, glad to have you. Nobody spoke to my kids. I, I, had to, uh, I needed to go to the nursery. And nobody directed me. I had to just wander around until I found it. Nobody was there to, to help. We learn how to do it in here, folks. This is where we learn how to be the church inside these four walls. We, we get so caught up sometimes, we, I think we get ahead of ourselves because we want to reach the world. But we've got to be ready to reach the world. We, we want to love people and reach people, but we've got to be ready to do that. We want to teach people, but we've got to be ready to do that. And so we get it ready, and we get it right, and we get it done in here. And it's just like that. It's just like that tunnel. Them players. Every week we go out these uh, doors. It's just like them players coming out of those tunnels. They're headed to because when we go out there, that's the real. That's the real deal. When we leave this room right here, that's it. That's the real deal. We're going into the world. That's the mission field. That's that's where you work. It's your job. It's your school. It's your neighborhood. It's it's whatever you want to be. It's your family, and that you take what you learned in here out there. And put it to use, and that's you're the light of the world. But you learn how to let that light shine in here. This body, Paul went on to say, as he was talking about. I'm trying not to run too long. Uh, when he was talking about this fivefold ministry and the things that it was supposed to do, he said he. This is the way he described the outcomes in Ephesians four sixteen from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of it, of itself in love the body taking care of the body the body supplying the body so that it can be perfect in here would it go and be ready to go out there paul notices and makes a statement about how every part should grow individually, but there's greater emphasis on the growth of the entire body. The whole body needs to grow. You know, you see sometimes kids that will grow really fast. You know, you get a kid that's three years old and he looks like he's eight. The problem is that you go to try to talk to him like an eight-year-old and you're getting a three-year-old answer because it had not caught up. It's better if they can grow with the right proportion. You remember being in school? I, I remember being in, like, first grade, you know, all, all the kids kind of average size, and then some, somebody would walk in. They were as tall as my dad. It's <laughs> not saying much. Uh, let me give you another example. Um, uh, I'm not going to say anything, Mom. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we first grade as kids, like, 5'11". <laughs> He's tall as a teacher. And we're like, is he the janitor? What's he doing here? Who's this? No, he's in your class. And he was a beast, man. Nobody wanted to play dodgeball against him or anything like that, or Red Rover or any of that stuff, because he'd kill you. Because he's your age, but he's like four times your size. And it was, you know, but in his mind, he was a kid. You know, so it's uh, you, know, you want the body, and we want the church to grow together. I know that people come in and then you have babies in the church and things like that, but, but they ought to still be growing and being nurtured and growing and not just always be babies. Shouldn't be. Should not be. Uh, you, know, we, we won't, uh, you, know, you can't force growth on some things, you, you, but it ought to be making progress in the right direction. The Bible says for us to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Guess what? That don't always happen at the same time. Sometimes people get it right in, you know, they're, man, they're praying, they're loving church, they're here, and, but they just hadn't quite caught on to this outward holiness yet. But they're full of the Holy Ghost. They, they come to church, they're praying, they're seeking, they're, they're trying. You know, we can't scold them and say, okay, now you haven't been to four services. I won't see no more of this, wearing this or that at the church anymore. That's how you lose them. And if you can't talk to them right in here, you sure won't be able to talk to them right out there and we'll never win anybody. Glorify God in your body and your spirit. I believe both of it needs to happen. And I believe it both happens the best when when your body and spirit is mirroring the word of God. But it happens at different rates for different people. And so we need to account for that as long as they are growing. You had siblings that, some of them grow faster than the others. It happens, but as long as they're growing. And sometimes we have brothers and sisters that are growing faster than others. God knows what he's doing. And he knows sometimes he's got people, he said, look, uh, this is a rush order. i got to get them out to the ministry field. So pow, 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 he's packing it in them. And, uh, and they're out. And you're like, man, they've been here like eight minutes and they're already, you know, <laughs> starting a church somewhere uh i remember when i came into the church and i remember that strong i, I remember the call to preach I, I i desired it and i felt it and i and, but i said but everybody kept telling me oh you ain't been around long enough for none of that now you ain't been around so i was scared brother larry and so finally i went to brother up i said i don't know what to do and uh, he said he was having an ordination service for some guys, and he said, I think you need to sit in on that. That was in 1994. I had just gotten to church in 1993. And so, uh, boy, when people saw me sitting over on that side where he was ordaining people, they was like, what is he doing? Is he lost? What is he doing over there? And I was like, man, I had the worst several months because I felt eyes on me, and I was like, I'm just trying to do what I feel like God wants me to do, what I do. And, man, I like lost my mind because I knew what I felt, but I knew what people were saying. Oh, you done called yourself to preach now. You done made yourself something. You ain't. and I've been here. I've been in this church for 25 years, and I ain't never, uh, you know. I cannot help that. I can't help it. I know what God's trying to do to me, and I know what he's trying to do with me, so I, I got to listen, and God needed me. Uh, like I was and he worked on me and worked on me and worked on me and 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 he went ahead and shoved me out there and that's how it was and it's weird because I had people that I was friends with hmm I've been going to church all my life and he never asked me to lead service I'm sorry what I say what do I say either way we learn how to do it in here. And sometimes it will be at different race and different things. If it's the hand of God, it's the hand of God. And you can't do nothing about that. And, we, and, and uh, so I'm excited for our young people as they come in. We, we, and we need us saints that are a little older, a little more seasoned, been here a while, to mentor them, to work with them, and, and learn how to pull the reins on them sometimes and how to let them go sometimes, to, to work with them. So that they can get it right in here. So they don't fall on their face out there and get discouraged and walk away. We're going to be the best church we we'll ever be when we get it perfect in here. So I don't know if we'll ever get it perfect. I believe you can pretty near get it. We can strive for it. I believe there's nothing wrong with trying to make it perfect. Make it the best that it can be. And not just saying, well, everybody's human. Yeah, we are. But we have something inside of us. We have the Holy Ghost of God inside of us. And, and, and that makes us a little different than just your average, ordinary Joe. Now, we, I'm not saying that we have something. We might have something that they don't have, but we don't have something they can't have. But we need to cultivate and exercise ourselves under godliness and learn how to be here for one another, love one another, and be like the church was intended to be. The earliest followers accepted the together nature of discipleship. That's how God designed the church. When you read the uh, uh, book of Acts chapter two and the, the first uh, four verses there, it's always, and uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were. not just one, not he was, they were. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, clothing tongues, and it sat upon each of them, and they, were, and they were all filled. And they spake as the Spirit gave them utterance. They followed him in his life. They followed him in his death. They followed him as he ascended. They went to that upper room together. They heard Peter preach together. They were there when 3,000 received it. Man, let me tell you, they were always there together. But those 12 and that 120 had spent a lot of time with Jesus and they were working on getting it right with him because they knew there was coming a day when he'd be gone and they would be carrying the work. And if they didn't get it right while he was here, it was going to be a mess when he left. But he made sure and he taught them and worked with them and, and, and then gave them that spirit, performed that promise that he said he would do, poured it out on them. And they were able to turn the world upside down. But the only way the church was going to keep going is if they kept doing it together. Being together with a group of disciples, with people, with a church, it helps you in every aspect. You learn about yourself when you're in a church full of your brothers and sisters. And you know, when you get, you know, even. Things like conviction are good for the body. This is how we learn to respond to conviction. Because you get in a church where all of a sudden people start praising God. Here comes the presence of the Lord. And when you get into the presence of the Lord, you feel that conviction. You start becoming real aware of yourself. And you learn that, hey, I need to pray or I need to lift my hands. I need to, you, know, you, you learn how to do it in here. Get it right in here. Get it perfected in here so you can be the best disciple. You, I want to be the best disciple. I'm not trying to be better than anybody else. I just want to be the best that I can be. I want to be the best one that I can be so that I can help other people. You see, Jesus said, you know, your righteousness is going to have to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees because they shut up the kingdom of God against people won't let them in. I don't want to be like that. I want to be the best that I can be so I can help people outside these four walls realize there's a God that loves them. And so you put into practice in here so you can do it out there. So that means we got to preach it in here, live it in here, celebrate it in here. We need to worship in here, praise in here, pray in here. So that people will do those things outside those for, these walls. There should be Bible reading going on outside the church. There should be praise and worship outside the church. There should be prayer outside the church. There should be singing. There ought to be some dancing. You need to just be dancing in your bedroom, in your living room, or in your yard, or if it hits you, pull over and dance on the side of the road. But you, you'll praise Him in the dance, do whatever. But realize. That you're in this with somebody else. When you try to be just your own individual, I ain't messing with nobody else, person in church, then you are doomed to failure, to discipleship failure. Because you don't just get to have have one-on-one time with him without having anybody else around. That phrase, well, he's my personal savior, it's not really even biblical, but... He is my Savior. But to say He's personal, means I mean like He's only mine. He's not just mine. He's the Savior of the world. And uh, for me to think that uh, I'm going to be uh, just, I'm going to have a special relationship with Jesus. i don't to get in this body thing. I'm just going just to be me and Him. I'm going to be my own individual. Now, if you're going to be with Him, you're going to be part of the body because it's the body of Christ. Individualism will kill you In the church, now I know the people. You understand what I'm saying. I know people have individual tastes and things like that. I'm not talking about everybody become clones in the church. I'm talking about as far as following the scripture. We've got to have it. We've got to believe it. We've got to do it all the same. We've got to follow what the Word of God says. In Ecclesiastes 4, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to finish with this because they're probably getting ready to finish up and we'll try to come in for a landing too. I'm all over the notes in this place, but in Ecclesiastes 4, I think I've got it marked. I've said this a lot lately, but it, you know, he says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. What does that sound like? What other scripture does that sound like to you? To me, it sounds like if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore him in the spirit of meekness. And that's what, even back then, you uh, was saying, man, it's, this thing is done together. And you... That's why I'm saying we're in this together. We're going to learn how to pick one another up in here and be there for one another in here so that we can be there and pick people up outside of here. He says, For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him up again. If two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And so... What he's saying is that if you stay by yourself, you cut yourself off, you'll begin to get very cold. You'll get cold to the body. You'll get cold to worship. You'll get cold to the word. You'll get cold to to serving God. You'll get cold to the mission of God, to the kingdom of God, of what God cares about. You'll get cold. No, That's not going to happen. Jesus said it would in the last days. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many would wax Cold. People are going to get cold, and if they they'll stick with the body. So yeah, we do promote church attendance because uh, hey, we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, especially as we see the day approaching. What day? The day where everybody's love starts waxing cold. But you know what? If you got somebody with you. It's easy to stay on fire. It's easy to stay warm because uh, you, you, it's like you're kindling, you're, you're sparking off each other. You know, iron sharpens iron. Well, when you hit two pieces of iron together, it makes some sparks. Now it'll make a fire. And so you, you learn to, to, to sharpen each other. And, and if you walk with wise people, you'll be wise. You, you get it right in here so you can do it right out there. You get it perfect in here so it'll be the best out there. That's what the church Is trying to do. That's what we are. We are a community of disciples. But we have got to have it right in here. We've got to to practice our discipleship among other disciples. You go out there trying to, you know, hey, I got something and just don't talk to nobody else, just run out there and trying to make it work at school or make it you don't know how. But man, if you would just counsel with somebody or talk to somebody in the church, you would learn. They could tell you, say, listen, I was your age once. I remember when I found the Lord, I was about your age, and I went to school. This is what I did. You could learn from somebody else's experience. And then you could go out there and say, wow, that does work. Instead of going out there and falling flat on your face and getting discouraged and walking away. Discipleship together allows us to serve in addition to being served. So when we're in here, We do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That's what I want. Honey, you can come to the music. I'm fixing to to wrap up here. It's a little bit after 8. And eventually I'm just going to start repeating myself. So back to Acts 2 and 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. they were together but their discipleship extended beyond just one day a week it said in daily daily they didn't just have a certain day that well this is the only time I act like Jesus is on Sunday the only time I act like him is on Wednesday but they uh, they served together inside and outside of the house of worship it said they were in the temple and then from house to house in the temple, what do you think was happening in the temple? They were hearing preaching. They were getting faith. They were being fed. They were praying together, getting built up, praying in the Holy Ghost, building themselves up on their most holy faith. And then they were going from house to house. They were going outside the church. And they were making more disciples and more disciples and teaching Bible studies. Well, I say Bible studies, but teaching the Word of God and, and talking about Christ and getting people converted. And, and that's how the church was growing. But they did not forsake the assembling of themselves together. They they would come together and they would meet and worship together and build each other up and they would get it right in here so that they could go out and be effective out there. And so these first disciples, their ongoing growth and maturity continued every day. They didn't limit the pursuit of Jesus to a single day or a single location. It was day to day. They weren't holy day disciples. Oh yeah, we're only... We're going to be disciples on the Sabbath. No, they were disciples every day of the week. And they walked with Jesus every day of the week. And they talked about Jesus every day of the week. Do you ever go a day when you don't think about him? Oh, I hope not. I think about that thought sometimes. And I guess since 1993, Brother Larry, there hasn't been a day go by that I haven't acknowledged what he did in my life. Like, I am here because of that one day. And then the many days after that, that he's kept me. And I think, I can't imagine going a whole day and not thinking about God. I don't, uh, it's, that's one of the most foreign concepts to me. Even if I'm on vacation or even sitting in a deer blind. I, I, I read, I'm read. i reading scripture. I was, I was reading that word the other night and that big deer walked by. I said thank you Jesus he'll do it won't he hey I know a man he he says when he kills his big deer he says I pray in." I, I don't argue with him I, he said you ought to try it sometime believe me I've thought about it Lord please send the biggest deer I've ever seen in Georgia my way <laughs> you know but I, I, I feel kind of silly asking for that so I just think it I don't say it out loud but he can read my thoughts but I guess I have not because I asked not I don't know where that line draws but anyway this fellow's killed some big old deer and he swears or I shouldn't say swear he, he he really affirms that he I pray on him bro he he sent me the scripture he prays and I was like man I'll hold on to this it <laughs> gets late in the season I'll <laughs> be well God's good. God's good. And, you know, I know every every church should feel like, hey, man, our church is it. But we're not in competition with nobody. Because ultimately we're all the body. But we are churches in different locations and places. And, and I love our church. And I believe God gave us a good church here. And he put us here so we could really reach this city. So I want to make sure that we have not neglected one another. So that we can get out there and win people. So I love you. I believe in every one of you. Even the ones that's not here tonight, wherever they might be. I love the people that God has sent our way. And I believe that he's going to stir us up into a revival fire that's going to sweep through this city, spill into that campus, and we're just going to see God do tremendous things. But we will never, ever, ever stop working on it in here. I got to, I'm starting to ramble, so if you'll stand. I've got a few more thoughts jumping in my head, but it would just be going back in a circle. Let's come stand around the altar tonight together for a few moments. Just lift our hands and if you feel led to pray with somebody, do that. Just, but let's come together and let's be in the front together tonight and just worship. And let's just thank God for our church, for our assembly and ask Him, how can I be the best I can be for my church, Lord? How can I be the best saint that I can be? How can I be the best disciple that I can be? What can I do? to make sure I'm doing my best inside these four walls so I can be my best outside those four walls. Let's pray together. Sure need one another, you know. If you get part of your body chopped off, if something don't happen, you'll bleed to death. We need each other. I tell people all the time, those that are not here, so when you're not here, you know, you're missed. You're not just, I want you to think, well, we just put a band aid over that spot and keep going. No, we miss you, but we're not going to quit, we're not going to, you know, stop. But. We want you here. We want you to be in your spot doing what only you can do. Every one of us has that Holy Ghost and each one of us has a gift or some part that we fulfill and God designed it like that. And so I want those that are backslidden and walked away, I want them back. Those that have kind of gotten a little cold and here a little, there a little, I want them back. I want them back on fire doing what they ought to do. So let's pray for them, reach out to them. And let's see God do a great revival in this city. It'll start inside before it spreads out there. So let's have revival in this church and let's have love one to another. Amen. Praise God. Paul she's playing tonight as you before you leave fellowship and shake a few hands and just if you haven't got to speak to anybody tonight, make sure you do before you go. God bless you.